All right, take two. Thank you, Evan. Just kidding. All right, what's up, everybody? We're going to go over for today's podcast 10 guiding principles that something that I wrote kind of for the team. I wrote it mainly for myself, and this is kind of actually an influence from Ray Dalio in his book called uh, Work and Life Principles. And I think it's kind of just a more of a framework for us to always come back to, right? And what I mean by that is just like, you know, there's times in life where we're distraction or stress or we get busy or we get distracted in a sense. And it's nice to kind of have guidelines or things or principles, obviously, in this case, that we always come back to, right? And I thought I would love to share this with you guys because, you know, obviously for this being such a personal thing for myself and for work, um, hopefully it can be valuable for you guys as well to kind of take off, right? So let's jump right into it. So these are not really in order of importance, so I don't want you guys to think about just because this is number one that this is going to be the most important principle. Um, obviously, there could be some subconscious relationship behind that when I wrote this, but I'm just going to kind of work from the top. So number one is presence, right? I think this is something I've talked and really focused on over the last few years a lot and uh, something that I always talk about to the team, probably every team meeting, and they always hear me and they probably get annoyed by this, but presence for me is really probably one of the most valuable things that I try to always work on with myself because I realize that, you know, we used to think about the most valuable asset in life is time when in reality, it's really attention, right? Because someone spending eight hours at work and someone else spending eight hours at work, they could be getting two completely different amount of workloads completed, right? And we see this with every area of life, right? We see this when, you know, my girlfriend and I go to dinner and there's people on their phones the whole time or when there's people at work and they're there for eight hours and they're only doing two hours of work um, or people go to the gym and they're chit-chatting and Instagramming the whole time and they're not really getting actual, you know, intense workouts or completing their entire workout. So I think at the end of the day, we really need to focus on the ability to practice presence and why it's so important is just because we gain so much time back in our lives, right? Um, and for me, obviously, I'll use a lot of specific personal experience on this one. Yes, I want to live a long time, but more importantly, I want to have a lot of vitality and I want to enjoy my time with what I do. And I think really just captivating as much as I can requires me being really present in the moment, right? So just to kind of work off some of the top, right? So when we're using those work examples first, you know, we see this all the time. And I've been a victim of this so many times myself, but being distracted by being on your phone or being stressed out by an outside event um, or just not being really in the moment with work. And what you realize is you get really complacent. You start to not see results anymore. Um, you lose all that motivation at work. And this is where, unfortunately, I think I see sometimes turnover in the industry. This is where we see burnout is we're, we're not present in the moment, right? And when we're present, this is where we really adopt flow. Um, and I think flow is such a vital piece to being kind of enjoying that process once again. Um, so at the end of the day, I think number one for me, this probably would be top three out of the things that I will talk about of this 10 principles today of the things that we all should be practicing. Um, and then to answer kind of how do we practice that, uh, that's not an easy thing. I think a lot of it comes down to really removing distractions and more importantly, practicing the ability to stay present, which could be breath work. Um, for me, it's meditation. You know, when I started meditating a couple of years ago for the first three months and, you know, even still sometimes like meditating is still probably the hardest thing that I do out of my routine because it still requires so much conscious effort. And I've been doing it for two years now. But what I realize is when I have the practice set time of just sitting there and focusing on my breath and yes, thoughts and things will come through my head, but learning to become more aware of them versus becoming, you know, um, making them part of my identity 
you know, that transfers over to life because when I do become frustrated or stressed or irritated or distracted, having that ability and having that practice from, you know, doing that every single morning allows me to just kind of hop back on track a little bit quicker. Um, but number two also, which is very important, is understanding that you need to remove distractions, right? And this is where I think, uh, you know, in our current state, there's always going to be different distractions in different generations. Our biggest distraction is definitely technology, right? Being on your phone and being consumed by social media and being uh, consumed by media and TV and being on your computer all the time. I think it's taking us away from this present moment. Um, obviously, you know, it's a great way for us to connect in so many different ways that we couldn't do a hundred years ago, but it's also the thing why we're so emotionally disconnected, um, the friendship and all the other things that are kind of the physical touch points of being with somebody in person. Um, I think technology, unfortunately has taken that away from us, but more importantly, it's just like, people are just like mindlessly consuming and mindlessly scrolling through this. And I see this all the time, right? Like I see this with my team. I see this with myself. We see this when we're going on dates. Like, you know, it's something my girlfriend kind of made his homework for myself when we first started dating. And I would just go home and mindlessly be like, boom, I'm going through the Instagram stroll. So removing some of those distractions is really important. And then obviously practicing that presence, right? And by, you know, meditating or breath work or whatever that might be for you. Number two is being open-minded. Um, this is definitely top three for me as well. Uh, being open-minded is something that I talk about all the fucking time. And the real, and the reason why I stress it and I kind of promote it so much is when you think about closed-minded people and closed-minded situations, it's like, let me give you an example, right? Like I always like to use the political example. Like for me, I'm not a you know political person. I'm not a registered voter. I tend to kind of stay out of these conversations. Um, I'm not saying that's how I'm going to be forever, but like that's just currently where I'm at. And the reason why is when you have conversations with both left and right, it tends to be a very closed point of view of how they think. Like they don't have the ability to stay open-minded in conversations to understand and empathize with both sides of the story. Um, and obviously just using the, you know, political example and whatever your decision is or the side, maybe if you even are on one, that's okay. Like it's okay. We're all on sides of things. We all have biases towards things, but we need to be able to have the power and the empathy to understand the other side. Right. And I think this is really why we come to such a strong split, especially during the pandemic is because people are so polarized, this myopic view of life is destroying us as society and we now have like gotten away from this whole peace and love and it's more of just like if you don't agree with me you're wrong i dislike you i don't like you and i think this is one of the biggest reasons why we segregated in so many different areas um and we see this and you know i've talked about this in previous podcasts with diets you talk to a vegan or talk to a carnivore they, they think the other side's complete idiots right you talk to religious people and you talk to whatever it is, but the more closed-minded the situation and scenario might be, um, the more drastic and the more emotional that kind of response is as well. So for me, being open-minded is understanding that, yes, anything is possible and you might where you are today might be different tomorrow or in a year or a decade from now. And having that constant flux and dynamic ability to be able to kind of, you know, use influence and be influenced by people is okay but to really empathize and understand the other side and always try to look at every point of view, right? So for me, it's like I try to be as centric as possible with most of the decision-making processes I have in all areas of life, especially work. Um, but in order to be centric, you have to look at both left and right side, right? And not being a political example, but whatever, like in everything in life, like you have to look at both sides of the table. 
you know, because we've heard the good old saying that there's three sides to a story. There could be the truth or there could be that person's variation and that person's variation. And I think taking in all those things and making your own decision based off that is super, super important. Uh, and for me, I think from really combating stress is when you are very close minded in a certain situation, when it doesn't go your way or that way, um, it literally is a detrimental thing to you versus when you're open minded, you might have your beliefs, but you're also okay with the other side of it, right? You're okay with the other decision or the other answer. Um, and I think obviously when we talk about stress management, which is something that I try to talk about so much with our clients, it's a huge piece, right? So that's number two. Number three principle for me is being transparent. Transparency is literally got to be a guiding principle for hopefully everyone in this world. And unfortunately, it's not. Uh, you know, when we think about the definition of transparency, it's the ability, no matter what situation you are in, to be truthful and to be honest with yourself and to be honest with other people. And I think um, uh, just to kind of give personal examples, examples here, one of the things that I used to struggle with, especially in relationships, is and even a lot of things, I won't even just say relationships, is I generally always had a hard time kind of being truly me just due to the fact that I there is a lot of areas in life still to this day that I have a very different opinion on. Um, and it could make me an outsider, an outlier, or different than majority rules. So I tend to be minority in some of these decisions. And I always tried to kind of sugarcoat things, right? Like I didn't want, I never wanted to offend anybody by my decision or opinion being different. So I either sugarcoated it or I kind of, you know, lightweight white light about it. Um, and I realized, and especially like I'm very thankful for my girlfriend for really, you know, making that more of a thing in our relationship is like no matter what, even if the answer pisses me off, like just be honest with me and be transparent with me. Um, and that's something that I really took to heart because I want that in relationships with not just my girlfriend, but with my family, with my coworkers, with my clients, with my friends, obviously with everybody, right? So having transparency requires me being completely honest to the absolutely core with no matter what the situation and scenario might be. And no matter how uncomfortable that conversation could be sometimes, being that person that's still transparent literally allows me to attract the people that understand me, right? And being transparent in why I used to kind of sugarcoat and slash white lie at things is because I was never trying to irritate or aggravate or piss anybody off. But, you know, in this process of being transparent, yes, you will lose people. Yes, you will offend people. Um, but I think it's more important to have a small core group of friends and family and people around you that understand you, that are honest with you, um, so that you can be transparent with you, with yourself and with them and live an honest life. Because once again, when you kind of start to have these sugarcoating white life scenarios with areas of life, you tend to build a fraudulent identity in a sense, right? Like you're not really being honest. You're not really being true. So that's really kind of a huge piece. Um, okay, so that's number four. Number five principle is adapt and optimize, right? Um, for me, I talk about this with business all the time. You know, one of the things that I'm super grateful for, like, you know, we had our best year actually in the entire five years of being open in 2021, and we were still in a pandemic, and we still dealt with three different waves of variants and shutdowns and um, a lot of turnover last year for me personally. So there's a lot of hiring. So there's a lot of things that I could look in the lens of kind of being uh, – setbacks or negative consequences or negative things. But I think really what the ability for us to allow us to still have growth and still have such a great year and still have all these accolades and still build this, you know, a solid structured team was the ability to adapt um, and adapt and optimize. I kind of, I had them as separate principles and I kind of just put them together. 
because I think they kind of work, you know, synergistically with each other. So adapting to things is understanding that life will always change. Life will always give you setbacks. There will never be, it's not going to be like David Goggins always says, it's not going to be sunny and 70 degrees all the time, right? Like expect shit to be fucked up. Expect things to be screwed up, to be, you know, broken, to never last forever, to run into trouble. Like all these other things that you think that you're trying to avoid, is actually one of the worst case scenarios for you because you're living and you know setting yourself up for this perfect world when in reality we don't live in a perfect world and we never will right so we always have to be prepared for these things and i think having this concept and principle of always being able to adapt but more importantly adaptation i think allows us to kind of flow and work with things that are happening in the current present moment optimizing is allowing us to kind of better ourselves for the future moment, right? So adapt to be more present, optimize to be kind of moving forward for the future. And when we think about optimizing, we think about this with all successful companies, successful relationships, um, successful fitness programs, successful diets. They're never really constant, right? They're always trying to optimize. They're always trying to make it better. Um, you know, and just to kind of speak on my industry, I've worked in plenty of gyms. You know, I've been doing this for coming up on 15 years now, and I've worked with a lot of people that are 40 years old and they're a trainer and they're doing the same fucking protocol they've been doing since the 1990s. And they wonder why they're making $30,000, $40,000 a year. It's because you're doing the same thing over and over again. You're not adjusting and adapting and moving forward with the market. Um, and the marketplace and the evolution of life and humans is always constantly moving forward and getting better. So you have to be on that same kind of track of always optimizing, right? Because optimizing is allows us, allows us, sorry, to really get better and move forward and stay ahead of the ball. And adaptation is the thing that allows you to say, hey, there is going to be obstacles. There is going to be setbacks in life. And there's going to be things that maybe you weren't necessarily wanting or prepared for even sometimes. But having the ability to have adaptation, having the ability to be able to optimize is the thing that allows us to keep the ball moving forward, allows us the thing that makes these challenges and these setbacks easy to adapt to, right? So that's number five. Number six, this is a huge saying that I personally use for, fuck it, call it eight years now, maybe, maybe even a decade, is make moves, not excuses. Um, I personally... Speaking for myself here, I tend to be a little bit more brash. As if, if you guys have been listening to this, you probably know that already. Um, I tend to be a little bit more brash in my uh, my way of living, my way of working, my way of working out. I tend to just like to be straight to the point. I'm a little bit, you know, cold hearted sometimes. Um, that's the way I was kind of raised, more so on my dad than my mom's side, I would say. Um, and I love that style, right? Like for me, I think one of the biggest things that I have a hard time with is excuses like excuses are literally a waste of words a waste of time a waste of energy and it's the reason why you're not where you're at is because you're making excuses right so i think this whole principle of make moves not excuses is that there's always something to do there's always a way to do this right my the original when i wrote this principle is i used to this was the second gym i worked at at gilroy health and fitness one of the managers called it fitfo which was an acronym for figure the fuck out um, and I loved, you know, this is probably one of my mentors, honestly, still to this day, even well at that time, more importantly, but whatever, like getting into the industry and really getting me excited about sales and management and business. Um, and he had the very kind of same personality as me, which is obviously why I was attracted to it. But every time we would have a problem or a thing, and a lot of times we see this in work and I see obviously deal with this as a business owner. People ask me stupid questions all the time. Um, and what I mean by stupid questions is like, you know, the answer, you're just asking me to just speak out loud, 
right? Versus trying to figure it out yourself, right? So my manager used to always say that when we come with him with a dumb question. He'd say, hey, man, FIFO, remember the rule. Just go figure the fuck out, right? Like, I'd rather you go attempt and fail and try and give effort and do these things and critically think for yourself um, versus just me waste my time or make excuses why you can't do those things. Um, in all areas of life, if you are not where you at or where you want to be with your health, with your wealth, with your family, with your relationships, um, with yourself, it's because you've made excuses versus made moves, right? Like, there's always something to do. The work's not hard to do. The consistency is, right? So... At all, just remember, make moves in life. Do not make excuses. Uh, every time you make excuses, you're just putting yourself into neutral or reverse, and you're not making any progress. Okay? Um, number six. What are we on here? Number seven already. Okay. Number seven, I had uh, laughter was the best medicine or smile more, and I kind of just finished on enjoy the process as the principle. So number seven is enjoy the process. For me – this has to be an essential thing for so many people, but it's still not just due to the fact of how many conversations I have with people not enjoying their job, their relationships, their working out, um, their whatever it is. Like for me, it's like you have to have fun. You know, there's a saying that I used to say when I opened up the business that we put the fun in functional. Um, might be cheesy, but at the end of the day, like if you're not really enjoying the process, if you're not laughing, if you're not smiling and, you know, the face of adversity, if you're not having fun, what's the point of doing it, right? Like we should be enjoying this entire process of life. I have it tattooed on my arm and it's one of my favorite tattoos. It's the, you know, it's the symbol of a highway one California sign with two surfboards and it says, enjoy the ride. Right. And it's symbolic to me because it's really Meant to say that, hey, Highway 1 is one of the longest freeways or highways in obviously California, maybe second to El Camino, and it's the most scenic one by far, right? So we've all heard of taking the scenic route in life. So for me, it's like, you know, enjoy life because it is beautiful. Enjoy life because it is long, but enjoy the ride and the process of it, right? So enjoying the process means that set yourself up and build a life and add structure where you enjoy it. You know, for me, I knew I wanted to open up a business at 16 years old because I, I hated being told to do. I didn't like my dad telling me to make my bed. I didn't like structure at the teachers at school. Um, I hated when a boss told me what to do. And, you know, I tend to be very stubborn and arrogant. And obviously in that way, I've gotten a lot better. Um, but I knew it's like, hey, if I wanted to really build a life I enjoyed, I didn't, I didn't want to be under someone else's constraint and rules, right? I wanted to be independent. I've been independent for a very long time. I wanted to open up a business. I wanted to just build a life that I would enjoy, right? I'm not, I didn't want to be influenced by others. I didn't want to be controlled by others. Um, right or wrong, whatever your opinion might be of that conversation and statement, like that's what made me happy. And I hope that when you guys think about what you want in life, that you're building something that you love, right? Because if you can love your family, if you can love the relationship you're in, if you can love the job you're in, if you can love the hobbies you have here for yourself, you love your kids, you can love your day-to-day -day life, the vitality of how you live is incredibly different, right? Like it's not about living a long time. It's about enjoying that as much as possible. So even if someone lives to 120 years old and they're, you know, their health is screwed up the last 40 years, I'd rather be the guy that lives to 80 years old and enjoyed every waking hour and day that I was alive by enjoying it, right? So giving yourself hobbies, you know, lining yourself up in a job that maybe, yeah, it doesn't pay you as well, but it's something that over time that passion maybe will stack into a financial reward, but it's better to enjoy it, right? Like I'll give you a little sub note with business just because business is kind of an easier thing for me to talk about sometimes. Um, I personally don't want a huge company, right? Like I, I'm very driven by money and obviously my friends and family know that. 
Uh, I'm very driven by financial reward because I think that's just the way we keep points in the business world. But, you know, I want to have freedom. I want to have financial security. I want to be able to invest. I want to be able to build things. But I also don't want to do it at a point where I'm like a publicly traded company and I'm working for investors and shareholders um, because I feel like I lose that freedom, right? So, and that's something for me that's like, that's what I want, right? And even though financial kind of reward is always something I think a lot of us chase in the business world, I'd much rather make, you know, a few million dollars a year making a business that's still successful with a couple of locations versus having a thousand locations of me working for all the other people and making hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Um, you know, so like try to be realistic with yourself. And I'm, I just threw out those numbers. I don't even know if those are realistic, but like you're constantly reevaluating what you're doing. Okay. All right. Number eight. Um, I would say biggest homework for myself has always been this one, right? It's patience, right? Patience for me is something that I struggle with, right? Um, patience and then kind of like the first one we talked about presence for sure is something that I think we all struggle with. But patience for me is something that uh, I don't know where I really got it from, but I, I, I never felt like I'm doing things fast enough, right? I never felt like I got, I got the reward from working out fast enough. I never felt like I was making enough money or I was working enough. And, you know, I hated going on vacations because I hated being away from work. Or I took every supplement in the world when I first started working out to see how many gains. Okay, we're taking nitric oxide and creatine and pre-workout and all this other shit. And you spend probably waste would be a better, better way to say it. Hundreds of hundreds of dollars every month doing that crap. Um, and I realized why I was doing this because I wasn't patient, right? Like I didn't have the ability to see the long-term success um, that consistency provides, right? But more importantly, it's like you have to be patient in everything that you do in life. Like, you know, me now coming up on five years with the gym, I thought it would be in a very different place. Granted, you know, two out of the five years were in a pandemic, but like, I always looked at it as being like, fuck, it's it's because I'm not patient, right? And like trusting the process and being patient in the process is really, really important because, you know, there's a famous quote that people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. And I think that is really spot on because if I think about me being 30, turning 31 this year and where I was in 2021, my God, one day I'll write a book on what I was doing at that age. Like it is a very, very different place. Um, so, you know, being patient and understanding that things, as long as you're doing good and being good and staying on track and disciplined and consistent with what you're doing and providing value in the marketplace or whatever the goal is, it will come, right? Um, and a lot of people, I think this is why a lot of people fail is because they're not willing to get beat up. They're not willing to go through months and years and decades of, you know, refinement. And that process building takes time. Um, we think about Amazon being a trillion dollar company and people think about it being an overnight success. Well, the guy started when I was bored 30 fucking one years ago, right? Like, you know, it takes a lot of time. And I think the ability to stay patient is, uh, is a virtue that I think we can all use. And that's why I definitely put that as a principle, right? Um, okay, number nine, we got two more here. Number nine is can't fill from an empty cup. I preach this all the time to my girlfriend. I preach this all the time to my uh, coaches, probably those two sections the most, and here's why. Um, what we do for a living as coaches is provide service for other people, right? And uh, when you're doing that, I think about coaches being very similar to like what a parent would be for people. Um, or like, that's kind of how my girlfriend is personality wise. Like we we're, we're givers, right? I think coaches, a lot of us, we get into these service-based industries because we want to give back, right? When we think about philanthropy or we think about service-based industry, um, we naturally are givers, 
but we have to remember that you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So when you think about kind of the three zones of areas that we need to work on in life, number one needs to be you. Number two needs to be friends and family. And then number three needs to be community and work. And you can't do it backwards without running into burnout or injury um, or boredom or lack of motivation. And I think this is where a lot of burnout comes for certain people. I would say majority of the time is because they're working backwards on that three-step spectrum. So think about doing something for you and making sure that you're blocking that stuff out every single week. Um, and every single day, right? Like for me, it's like I try to do something hobby-wise like snowboard or skimboard or mountain bike or take the Harley or the Camaro out or, you know, whatever it is, a golf, you know, like some type of hobby for me that gets me away from kind of some of the basic nuances of, you know, my girlfriend doesn't like this, but like I like, I'm an independent person. I like time alone and I need it at least once a week. Um, and when I think about daily stuff, right, it's like, you know, reading for me, doing something for my mental working out for me every day, right? Like those are something that I probably spend two or four hours a day between just reading um, podcasts, audio books, and working out. Like I do something for my mental, do something for my physical. Um, working obviously for me is something that I enjoy. I know not everyone enjoys that. That's something I think about for the, the pocket. And then doing something for your soul, right? For your heart, for your spirit, right? And that could be whatever that is for you, but you have to do that stuff. And it has to be programmed and has to have structure because if it's not something that is consistently built into the plan, you will be the person that burns out and tries to think that the grass is always greener. And this is why a lot of people try to start over. This is why so many people switch jobs. This is why so many people moved last year. They're not willing to get punched in the face. They're not willing to be patient. And they're not taking care of themselves. So they think that the problem lies in where their current situation is with the people that they hang out with or the state that they live in or the job that they have. And not to say it isn't possible because it definitely is. Uh, but majority of the time, I'm going to tell you it's because you're not taking care of yourself. right? So put yourself first and watch the reward follow. Take care of yourself. Take care of the people next to you. Take care of your community and your work after. Okay? All right, last one. Um, this one's kind of more work principle, but also like this can be transferred over into a lot of areas of life is always be a professional, right? I think being a professional um, really since I've opened up the business has allowed me to really mature because how I was as an employee um, personality-wise and attitude-wise, how I was in school, how I was as a, even as a son sometimes – um, I tend, I was an, I was an amateur. I was not mature, immature in a sense too. And I think these have kind of relationship between work and life. So being a professional is understanding that like, you know, for me, I'll speak on my story here is I work in a service-based industry is, you know, sh showing up early. That's something that I really worked on over the last year and I've nailed it. It's like, I'm always five or 10 minutes early to everything now versus being the guy that's like, fuck, if I hit one more red light, I'm going to be late. Like showing up early, showing up dressed and impressed, ready to rock and roll for whatever the job or the occasion might be. Um, going overboard and doing my due diligence for my work, being prepared for everything that I do in life. Um, trying not to procrastinate, being a little bit more proactive, putting people first and understanding that like coming back to the top number one principle for me when it comes to being present, when I go to work, I want to be at work, right? And I want to be the best possible version of who I can at work. Um, and that also goes for everything else in life. And I think this is why kind of always being an, a, a continuous learner was another thing that I was going to write as a principal. And I just put that in kind of an always being a professional is we always should be learning and trying to get better at what we do in life. I want to be the best at what I do. And I will be the best at what I do because I have the game plan and the structure built out for it. But more importantly, I have the ability to stay disciplined and consistent. And I have the time allocated every single day to making sure that I am doing something to make myself better. 
Um, and that is a goal for ambition for me with work. Now, same thing to my girlfriend. My girlfriend deserves the best possible person because that's the person she is. She will get that, and I will work on being a better boyfriend. I will work on being a better son. I will work on being a better brother. These are things that require you being a professional and being mature and growing the fuck up, right? Um, I have a young team here currently on staff, for example. Um, being young is a misconception. I was told when I was 18, when I was wearing red Nike or red Etni shoes and a red polo, um, and the owner of the gym telling me, man, you're never going to make something of yourself when you dress like this, right? And, you know, you're young, so you need to be able to kind of go farther than that. And there's some truth, there's some contents through that. Number one, I like to open up. I still wear red every fucking day, you know, and I have a successful company, right? So don't let people tell you what you can or can't do. But number two is, yes, just because you're young, that means it's just more reason for you to be better than everyone else that's around you, right? Like, it was more motivation for me. So having a young team does not scare me. You know, some people from the outside go, oh, young team versus having an advance. Now, don't get me wrong. As the company evolves, I'm sure things will change. But being young and finding people that are hungry doesn't mean you can't be a professional, right? Just because you're new to the game doesn't allow you to not be a professional. And I think a lot of people, when we think about the term professional, we think about, you know, NFL and MLB and sports and things like that. You can be a professional in every area of your life. And that doesn't matter if you're going to elementary school or if you're playing NFL as a quarterback, right? Like being a professional is the work that you do. It's how you do the work. It's how you present yourself. It's how you show up every day. Um, and more importantly, reminding yourself of those whys, right? All right, guys. Well, I don't want to talk too long because I know that was probably long enough. Those are kind of the 10 guiding principles that I wrote, 10 commanding principles, whatever I want to call them. This is something that I'm going to make and post in the gym. Um, I wanted to share it with you guys. I'm hoping that it helps some of you guys. So something to kind of think about, always coming back to, um, and just kind of guiding things that we can follow. So presence, being open-minded, staying transparent, having integrity, always adapt and optimize, make moves, not excuses, enjoy the process, be patient, You know, can't fill from an empty cup, and always be a professional. All right, guys. Well, if you're listening to this on Friday, have a great week. And if not, have a great day. Um, as always, if you think this is valuable, share this with somebody. Like this. Leave me a review. I love some of the feedback I've been getting from clients. So I'm keeping it up and I'm going to keep it coming every Friday. Take care.